Devoncast from Radio X. Hello and welcome to Devoncast, the weekly podcast looking at local and regional issues in Devon, the politics, the people and how decisions here affect how we live, work and enjoy our county. I'm Ollie Heptonstall. I'm Guy Henderson. And I'm Alison Stevenson. On the way this week, how plans to close railway station ticket offices have caused uproar and a temporary reprieve for Devon County Council's vital link centres supporting people with mental health problems. We also discuss the campaign to save Devon's mobile libraries. And we talk about the English Riviera Air Show and the question marks over its future. Devoncast from Radio X. Welcome along to another edition of Devoncast and we've got a new member of the team with us this week, Alison Stevenson. Very warm welcome to you. Tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what sort of areas you'll be covering. Thanks, Ollie. Well, I've been covering news for 25 years, mostly in the West Devon area. I've worked for Tyndall Newspapers, latterly um, as editor of the Tavistock Times and Southam's newspapers. My job's going to be covering councils in North Devon and Torridge and West Devon and Plymouth. So lots to keep me busy. Great to have you with us. And unfortunately, your first edition of Devoncast is my final one, but we'll come on to that a bit later on. First this week, then, there's been a new development in Devon County Council's plans to close its mobile library service. Earlier this month, the council's ruling Conservative Cabinet voted to close the service after hearing user numbers are down and three of its four library vans are coming to the end of their serviceable lives. It says the plans will help to secure the wider sustainability of library services in Devon, but several opposition councillors, they've criticised the plans, urging the Cabinet to delay a decision and the Lib Dems recently called in the move. That means there'll be further examination in September. Now the campaign to save the libraries has been backed by some famous authors, including Stephen Fry and Michael Rosen. Stephen Fry says the idea that such a vital, beautiful, simple service should be denied to future generations is heartbreaking. Torridge councillor Cheryl Cottle-Hunking is behind the campaign, which has received more than 3,000 signatures. Here she is explaining more about the campaign. Oh, I set it up because lots of people came to me, actually. Well, and we use it ourselves because I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And we love, we, I love taking the kids there and they get to choose their own books every month. We get more that we can read to them every night. And it's so important for people who don't have access to the main libraries in the towns because we haven't got public transport. It's non-existent. So it's, it's it really is a lifeline for a lot of people in all of the different villages and hamlets as well. It's not just the big villages. So, yeah, I just started a petition to try and help people across the whole of Devon, really. And what's the feedback been like? Oh, it's been actually quite overwhelming, the support that we've had. We've got more than 3,000 signatures online in less than four weeks and support from, I bumped into Michael Morpurgo the other day at a local market, and he's re- extremely passionate about it. So he's going to get involved over the next sort of, well, there's a meeting at the end of September, the scrutiny meeting. So we've got a couple of months to really get get this campaign underway. Tell us about the support from Stephen Fry and Michael Rosen as well. Yeah, so initially I just sent out a few emails to um, different people who I thought, might be sympathetic. I looked up online of um, different celebrities and authors who had helped previous library campaigns like across the country. Uh, so I just sent a few emails and Michael Rosen emailed back within seven minutes saying he supported it 100%. And then when I had an email from Stephen Fry's agent with a quote in support, I almost fell off my chair when I read it. I couldn't believe it. 
Devon County Council, Cheryl, say that um, borrowing numbers are down and they have to replace three of their mobile libraries at a cost, I think it's around half a million to £800,000. Do you understand that perhaps this service, they say, is no longer feasible and affordable? I understand that there are pressures on finances within the council. Absolutely, I, I really do understand that. But I feel that they need, they need to get the service and maybe look at improvements that could be made because other counties across um, the country, it also within the mobile offer additional services. They're in partnerships with different different people, such as like help with hearing support and NHS checks so you can get your blood pressure checked. They have baby weighing facilities. Um, they give out um, hearing aid batteries for people. It's all, they also, of them also have a council inquiry service on the mobile libraries. So I feel like they need to sort of use their imagination and develop it to really improve the service for people in rural communities. That's Liberal Democrat Councillor Cheryl Cottle-Hunkin. In a statement, Devon County Council says we are enormously proud of our library service in Devon and remain totally committed to delivering a first-rate modern service that residents can access in different ways. Part of our commitment is also to library users who cannot attend their nearest static library for whatever reason. We do not intend to take away their access to the library services, but do want to explore how we can make better use of our home library and good neighbours services, as well as our digital services all of which deliver books and other materials to people at home rather than maintain the costly and ageing mobile library vans that are reaching the end of their serviceable life. The call-in by the Lib Dems means no decision will now be taken until October. Guy, we discussed this, I think, on the last edition of Devoncast and the campaign has now taken on a well, a whole world of its own with those big, big uh, backings. It is, and and you can see the uh, you can see the sense of the campaign. You can also see the sense if these vehicles are falling to pieces, um, then it's a big commitment to do them up. I think one of the key things here is that if the county council is committed to finding other ways of getting people their library services, it needs to be absolutely sure that these aren't just digital, because a lot of people in rural communities, a lot of elderly people. Uh, won't use the internet and they won't use mobile phone apps to get hold of their books and their library services. So the county council had better come up with something practical uh, to replace if they are going to replace. But it, as I think we said on the podcast before, Ollie, the, the mobile libraries are so much more than just a van full of books, aren't they? People meet there. It's a way of getting information out into the communities. So it's it's a big challenge for the county council to replicate those services in a, in a way that people can use. It's a difficult one, isn't it, Alison? You know, juggling the perhaps cost priorities with looking after those elderly users. I think it is, but it's so often the case where the the elderly people get left out of the the scheme, really, because you know that particularly now since since covid happened you know lots of people have been isolated and it is the only uh, for some people it's the only um, time in the week they get out to go to the their library van and talk to other people and there's so many different things now that you can get from from the mobile library not just just books but you know i think a lot of people look at books now online a lot of people have kindle they look at them um on their phones but there's something really nice about just having a book and borrowing it and also it's you know the cost of it 
you know, if you, you don't have a lot of money at the moment, you can, you know, you can just borrow a book and it, it and it costs peanuts, really. So it's nice to be able to do that still. And I think it's a great shame if it's gone. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this campaign leads and what the County Council ultimately decides in the autumn. Devon Cast from Radio X. Now moving on and Guy, what's the big talking point in this week? I think it's to do with uh, the English Riviera Air Show, the no English longer the Riviera. Torbay Air Show. No, it was the Torbay Air Show when it started off, but they broadened it, broadened its appeal. It's all part of the marketing of the English Riviera. So it's the English Riviera Air Show. And there is this week a big question mark over its future. We knew that the uh, the council, the, the new uh, Conservative-led council, was going to carry out a review into the air show, how much it costs uh, and how much they're going to spend on it going forwards. But uh, the report that came out earlier this week was, was quite... Uh, quite an eye-opener there's there's a possibility of cutting it from two days to one day there's a possibility of having fewer and cheaper aircraft that's me summing up really but that's basically what they're saying um the the tourist industry does say that each pound invested in the air show brings in 15 pounds in spending uh, in Torbay. So it does sound like good value for money on the face of it, but the council is meeting next week to consider some options, which we'll go into in a minute. Uh, and it's quite interesting that the leader of the council, Councillor David Thomas, I bumped into him during the air show uh, back in June, which is why you can hear biplanes in the background of the clip that we're just about to play. And it was interesting to hear from him even then, saying that while his heart says one thing about the air show, his head may be saying quite another. My heart says absolutely. Why would we not want to put this on when you see people here and you see the and the buzz and the vibe in the town? Absolutely. Why would you not? But then from a head point of view, £250,000, it's an awful lot of money. Yeah. And we need to know the difference between, you know, the headline figure of what the whole event has cost, what it's brought in, and more importantly, what is that shortfall? Because it's that shortfall that we need to come to grips with. It did sound as if we were being buzzed by the Red Baron there at one point, <laughs> didn't it? But uh, that £250,000 figure, that's been discussed and batted back and forth a little bit since then. And the council report does indicate that it's around about £195,000 that the council put into that. Uh, but the money does come back in. The tourist spend is there. People who go to the air show love it. The traders seem to be backing it as well. It, it's definitely a big thing on the Torbay calendar. We talked a little while ago on this podcast about the events in the shoulders of the season, the spring and the autumn events that are so vital to uh, Torbay's tourist economy. But the, the council is having a good close look at it. The report that goes before a meeting next Tuesday evening basically offers them four options uh, for the air show, which cost the whole cost of the show is just over £300,000. Uh, and a hundred thousand odd of that goes on aeroplanes, ground support, and insurance, the flying displays, and that so it's not cheap to put on. But the options that they're giving, number one, is to pretty much carry on regardless, possibly uh, extending the appeal of the show to other vantage points around the bay. It, people get on Paint and Beach and watch it, but there are other places around the bay you could watch it from putting some concession stands, some food stands in on Preston and Roundham and places like Sandringham Gardens, maybe. Uh, all of those are options to generate a little bit more income, along with possibly selling tickets for the best vantage points. Now, that's going to be controversial. But they do do it in Southport. Again, that's included in the report that the councillors are going to see next week. They looked at a load of other air shows around the country to see what they do. 
And in Southport, they fence off the beach, fence off the sands and charge people to go in for the best view. Maybe that's one of the ways forward. Option two is what you might as well call the Tinmouth model. They had an air show at Tinmouth the last couple of years. It's been a brilliant success for the community down there. It's organised by the community. There's a lot of fundraising goes on for it. So they're thinking about maybe the Torbay Air Show could, as one of the options, be put on by another organisation and the council maybe would sponsor it. The third option is for another organisation to take it on altogether and the council would then spend its air show money on maybe a Christmas ice rink in Torbay, maybe a sports event like a triathlon. And the fourth option, um, the nuclear option, is to scrap the thing altogether. Uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they go. I don't think this council uh, is averse to making difficult decisions, no, though. It doesn't so, sound like it. No. And, and you mentioned the cost there, £250,000 in the broad scheme of things for delivering a, an air show for a couple of days and considering how much money Torbay mm-hmm. Council, their annual budget is, it doesn't seem like an awful amount of money, really. It doesn't seem like a great deal, especially as it returns £15 for every pound. Exactly. Uh, um, yeah. But, you know, there are there are decisions to be made. I can see that. Uh, I'm a big fan of the air show. I like the air show. I always go down and, and, and enjoy it, and I would love to see it carry on. It'll be interesting to see what the council comes up with. And you mentioned that thing about um, charging for seats. I suppose you could have like a little marquee on a, on a good vantage point with some seats. They've kind of tried it before by having an airshow village on Paint and Green where you pay a little bit of a premium. I don't think you pay to get in, but it, it was a, like a VIP village with the, you know, the, the, the catering and what have you in there. Maybe that's one of the things they can do. Have you ever been to Torbay Air Show or oh, the English Riviera Air Show, Alison? No, I haven't. It sounds really It's very, fantastic. very good. It's yeah. very, very good indeed. It's a perfect uh, It's a perfect venue. There's a video that the RAF put out a couple of years ago of the Red Arrows display from inside the cockpit of one of the Red Arrows over Paint and Pier and that sort of thing, and it's absolutely brilliant. Crikey. Great stuff. We will wait and see then to see if it returns next year. We will. Devon Cast. From Radio X. Alison, the big story across the whole of the county this week uh, is the closure of the railway station ticket offices and the campaign to stop it happening. You've been uh, all over this one this week. Yes, Guy, um, I have. I think a lot of authorities are getting quite hot under the collar of of this one at the moment. Um, The railway network is is planning to um, close railway ticket offices and they've extended their consultation period actually until the end of September because there's been a huge outcry over this 170,000 comments already people aren't happy over this one to be honest because um, they feel that you know a lot of people are going to be segregated from this so they're not going to be able to actually buy their tickets and they're not going to actually use the railways The, the situation is that what the railway companies want to do is take staff away from the ticket offices and put them out on the stations to talk to people and to liaise with people and hopefully help people. And so they want to close those ticket offices. Now, in some areas of Devon, they're uh, really well used. Um, They're saying that nationally, fewer than 15% of tickets are now bought at the ticket offices. But that's not the case in some areas in Devon. Certainly in Barnstable, over half of the tickets that are sold are from the ticket offices. Not everybody wants to buy them online. Not everyone's happy about that. People like their ticket offices um, and they feel that, you know, it's it's going to be a, a service that 
it is is not going the wrong, right way. Basically, they they feel that they're um, that maybe they won't use the trains. Um, they don't like using online services or they don't have the facilities to use online services. And certainly in North Devon, the leader of the council there, Councillor Ian Room, is saying that the the high usage uh, just shows that it's something that really the community doesn't want. People with disabilities, mobility problems and eyesight problems may well uh, not get trains anymore because of it. Been a massive backlash, hasn't there, Alison? 170,000 signatures, you were saying. Comments so far, yes, which is why they've extended the um, the consultation period. So, yes, it's it, it's something that, you know, the, the, the rail companies are saying that, you know, that it's, things have moved on from the 90s. Not everyone has a mobile phone anymore. Um, back then, 82% of all sales were from ticket offices. But but now the figure's a lot less than that. But we know rural areas in Devon, a lot of people still want to talk to someone at their ticket office and buy it and buy it in advance and feel reassured that they've got their ticket and they know yeah. which train they're getting on. Do you think the railway bosses have underestimated the backlash? Oh, I certainly do, yes. I, I really do because they just look at the figures on paper and they think, oh, yeah, no one's going to worry too much about that. But... You know, people really do. Uh, we've got, you know, very big elderly population in Devon, so a lot of those people don't have smartphones. No, and if, I was thinking this the other day. Tourists who come to Britain, they might not know what to do, how to buy their tickets if there are no no offices. That's very true. And I think there's a parallel here with the mobile library story as well, which is about pushing people into using technology that they're not comfortable with. Mm. Um, and as Alison says, some of these rural stations in North Devon, South Devon, Paynton is another example, where people still buy tickets over the counter a lot. Um, and you know, these are people who, if you tell them, as you say, if you tell them you've got to use the app, they're not going on the train. It is a running theme this week in that we will wait and see what happens with this um, a bit later in the year. Devon Cast from Radio X. Right now, before we leave you this week, let's take a look at what's coming up for the rest of August, with this being our last edition of Devon Cast until September. Guy, what's on the way in your patches? That's a really good question, Ollie. <laughs> it's August and all, all the councillors are on holiday. Um, you could fire a cannon through Torquay Town Hall at the moment and, and not risk hitting anybody <laughs> because everybody's gone on holiday. Um, but it, it's that kind of month where the, the council councillors are encouraged to take a bit of a holiday in August and the big business starts again in September, but it's not gone quiet. There are big stories in Torbay, for instance. Uh, one of the big issues for the next year will be the delivery of some big, big capital projects in Torbay, building projects like the Future High Streets. This is happening in Teambridge as well. And the difficulties of getting those projects over the line. And in places where the council is new, where the council has changed political colour uh, in the last few months, it's going to be very interesting to see how that pans out. So it's busy, but there aren't very many meetings on the diary. But at least... At least the football season starts this week. Well, that's the main thing, isn't it? Talking United um, back in action, unfortunately, in the National League South. We won't dwell National on that League too South. much. No, let's not. August is just going to be that kind of month, isn't it? Ollie, what's happening for you? It is, Guy. And, well, there's one major issue still ongoing at Devon County Council, which they are going to sort out, I think, at the end of August, and that is the planned cuts to homelessness prevention services, one5 million pound cut to um, projects aimed at reducing homelessness around the county. It's proved really controversial. Homelessness charities 
fighting the plans, threatening legal action as well if they do end up going through. A uh, scrutiny committee of Devon County Council, the Health and Adult Care Scrutiny Committee, uh, very recently recommended that the uh, the cuts are delayed until the end of the financial year. At the moment, they're planned to go through at the end of September, but the uh, council's cabinet insists that no decision will be made until later this month. I think it's the last week of August. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens with that, but certainly a really controversial issue and one that looks like it might be coming, coming to a conclusion. Uh, Alison, how about you down in uh, Plymouth and the west of the county? So in, in Plymouth, people are waiting with bated breath to see what the new vision's going to be for a Mars away. Um, of course, this was a site where uh, 100 trees were felled in March, causing huge controversy in the community. And uh, judicial review, as we know, is, is going to take place later this year into that decision by the former um, Conse- Conservative administration. Labour now are tidying up the area, the Labour administration, and uh, they will be looking at a new vision, a new project there to replace the trees. In fact, they're saying they're going to plant more trees than were there before. They're going to have a green canopy, but we're waiting to see how that's going to look. And they've promised a comprehensive consultation on um, that plan. So um, lots more people hopefully will have a say in what goes on in that area. So uh, we wait to see what happens there. We will wait and see and hopefully it's a more palatable scheme than what was um, drawn up before. Yes, well we hope so. (laughs) Great stuff. Thank you very much both for your company this week uh, and Guy for the last few weeks. That is our last episode of Devoncast until September and my last episode altogether actually. I'm uh, leaving the Local Democracy Reporting Service. It's been a great pleasure doing this job for the last couple of years and we'll see what happens next moving on to a slightly different role but um guy and allison will uh, keep you fully up to date with all the latest goings on in local politics around the county good luck ollie you've been an absolute star on the Devoncast. oh it's very kind of you guy and uh i hand over the baton to yourself and <laughs> do, allison do you think that's wise <laughs> <laughs> we'll do our best ollie You'll be great, I'm sure. Join Alison and Guy once again in September. Enjoy the rest of your August. And thanks as always for listening. Catch the latest episode of Devoncast every Friday at radiox.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts.